Hello, readers and writers. I am Anthony L. Manna, also known as Professor Grandpa Tonio, the book guy and the writing guy. Welcome to Writers on Writing, my podcast series of conversations with great authors. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to two very special authors. A.D. Williams and Kendall Fordham are busy professional entrepreneurs who have co-authored Mansa's Little Reminders, an entertaining story with cheerful, full-color illustrations by Taylor Bowe that sets out to make kids and tweens aware of financial literacy and its importance in their lives. Question number one, what does a professional entrepreneur do anyway? And question number two, what is financial literacy? I'll invite the authors of Mansa's Little Reminders to answer those questions during our conversation. And Mansa's Little Reminders, soon to be a series, you'll meet Mark, an inner city kid with big dreams and little direction until he starts learning valuable lessons about building a good life for himself and for those he loves. You'll also meet his super smart cousin, Cuzzo, and his lovable companion, Mansa, a wise talking squirrel. Follow them on a fun-filled adventure of learning and self-discovery. And now, welcome A.D. Williams and Kendall Fordham, two busy authors. I'm truly delighted to be talking with you today about Mansa's Little Reminders, a delightful story about family, friendship, determination, and other vital themes. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Oh, I'm glad yes, you're here. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. I, um, why don't we start with that promise I just made, which is what do entrepreneurs actually do? Oh, Kendall, take it, take it over. <laughs> Well, I would say that entrepreneurship and financial literacy really go in tandem, right? So it's the ability to take the knowledge that you have about personal finance, the, the responsibility that you have with money, stewardship, and using it to make really smart or the smartest decisions that you can every step of the way throughout your life journey. You take every opportunity, no matter how small it is, see where it goes. And Use your knowledge to evaluate and analyze if that is a good financial decision for your family. And that all comes down to education. So financial literacy to me is the ability to comprehend basic personal finance concepts all the way up to the more complex ones. And then secondly, being able to execute them in your life and your career. Oh, wonderful. Well, that's so far reaching. I love that. There's so much there in terms of how we develop uh, also our own self-respect and our own self-worth involved in that process. And A.G., what about you? Do you have something to add? Yeah, I would, um, you know, I think Kendall touched on it, but, you know, for the for the little ones and potentially the parents that hear this, I think what we were hoping to hit on with Mass's Little Reminders is to instill, to Kendall's point, that, that want for the knowledge and then to instill this idea that, you know, hey, I could... I could go work for someone, but it's also pretty cool to be able to be in control of my own destiny, my own finances, and to operate something that is for me. So helping them understand that that comes with a certain amount of risk, but also helping them understand that 
the reward and the ceiling is is endless. And I think uh, the book does that. Mm, it certainly does. It opens the whole idea of how we can take responsibility for ourselves as well. I just mm -hmm. love that part of it. I, you know, I thought before we begin discussing Mance's little reminders, I think it's especially important for, the, for any of our listeners out there who are writers to know that your writing life must align with your demanding professional career. So how do you do that? <laughs> I, would, uh, I would say flexibility and getting creative with, with the 24 hours that you have. Um, you know, Kendall, she's a mom, she has multiple businesses, you know, I have a full-time job in a, in a few other ventures. And I think you gotta continuously remind yourself that you only have 24 hours. And for me, you know, it was 9 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. every night. I had to, you know, lock myself away and, and pour into, you know, the writing process. And as we think about future series, it's that same. For someone else, it may be 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. So first is the willingness to do it and then the willingness to, to figure out where you can fit in time to write. Um, there's always time. Wonderful. Kendall, do you have something to add? Yeah, so that's that's a really good one for, for me because and I, I think it's important to know that I don't have all of the answers. So this question in particular, I'm still figuring out. I have two children. I have a daughter who just turned two, and then I have a five-month-old. And then I also work like 60 hours a week. So I would say that that is something I struggle with and could do a lot better at. I Sometimes it's at two in the morning. Sometimes it's at six in the morning. Sometimes it's in between appointments. Uh, I don't have a set time. So I don't have a really great answer, Anthony. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's real. I'm, I'm a retired guy, you know, so I... <laughs> I don't have to deal with those same pressures, but when I was still at university, because I was working at, as, a, as a university professor, you know, and I had to publish. So even before I started writing stories, it was always the same thing you're saying. It was like, I have to do my classes. I have to go on the road. I have to do a workshop, you know, and we just learn, don't we? As writers, we learn how we can possibly find some way to slip it in there, you know, and all of a sudden I'm finding even now in my retirement that an hour is pretty good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, even, you know, even uh, whatever you may find in that process in an hour, why not? You co-authored Mansa's Little Reminders. How did you go about sharing responsibilities of writing and publishing this wonderful book? AD, you can take that one. Yeah, I would just say we were extremely fluid. Um, you know, we learned a, a ton about each other and continue to learn a ton about each other. Um, our personalities, our, our differences, our strengths, our weaknesses, and, you know, even the family dynamics, you know, I have to uh, be respectful of Kendall's time and know that, you know, nap time is sacred. And, you know, um, I can't bother her during that time. And, you know, I can't call her after 930 just because I'm up until 11 a.m. with no children at home. So I think the key word has been uh, understanding and flexibility and technology makes it a lot easier for us to collaborate and see each other's thoughts on the go. Um, but that understanding and that flexibility has been key over the past, wow, two and a half years, three years now. Wow, that's good. Kendall? To summarize uh, what AD was saying, that our relationship has been successful because we have incredible communication and there is a lot of grace that is given on both sides. Well, good. And I, I, um, I appreciate that. I have, I have co-authored 
as well, you know, uh, trade books, you know, picture books for kids. And um, it had to be that kind of sy sympathy <laughs> for one another, you know, and the flexibility. I, I appreciate you're talking about that. You, what, what do you hope children, particularly black and brown children, will gain from connecting with the adventures of the young and curious boy named Mark and his wise furry companion, Mansa? I'll kick it off. I think the first, the first thing, confidence and and just the idea that that you know black and brown children everywhere just believe in themselves at a at a higher level. I think the book certainly is financial in nature, but from a from a life skill standpoint, you start to see Mark become a little bit more confident and Mansa help him throughout that process and know that you're going to have some bumps in the roads and. Your situation may not be the same as your neighbors or your classmates, but that you you can make it and you will make it. So just that that confidence and that that willing to uh, fail forward at a young age, I think is going to create some, some some true superstars in black and brown communities everywhere. That's wonderful because yeah. as I was reading, it's like every step he takes, you know, it's it's like every single step he takes is is is, is illuminating. You know, he's he's learning something. He's learning something. He's, you know, and it was just like, boy, well, I, I I can just imagine kids really taking off with that. Kendall, do you want to add? Oh yeah, yeah. So I would say to normalize the process of bringing financial literacy into your home. So I think that my experience with financial literacy was an incredible gift that I appreciate now more than I ever did when I was a child. But I don't, that knowledge coming into the home is, is going to be so new, especially in a first generation household. It's, it's scary. And I think that we illustrated that really well in the book, that failure, being nervous, uh, the, the lack of resources, that's all part of it. That's, that's something that is going to happen and I think the book gives a sense of relatability to this scenario that wasn't there before. So like other financial literacy resources typically start in middle school. This happens before middle school, before these children's experiences have impacted their overall view of finance, really, for the most part. It's a very blanket statement, obviously. And that's what makes it important, right? We're getting to the kids before they've had these negative personal finance experiences where they're being introduced to money in not so healthy ways or implanting that seed sooner. Yeah, you know, where I saw that too, and I'm going to talk about this a little later, is when I went to the resources, because you, you lay out lesson plans, lessons, you know, whatever you want to call them, where you invite kids in a hands-on, very practical way to learn at a very young age, you know, and so you you prove you, or you demonstrate that it's possible to do that, which I think is very enlightening. But can you also tell us about Mansa, Musa, and how this historical individual figures into uh, different aspects of Mark's development? Where, where does he come in? Yeah, so Mansa, Mansa Musa is a subtle historical reminder of the historical in, um, individual known as Mansa Musa. Um, who thrived in Africa and is known to the world as the richest man that ever lived. Um, and as you dive more into his story, you know, of course, there are a lot of pros and some cons that folks discuss, but overall, great individual who, who led great people and just was extremely resourceful and did a lot of things. And then the other piece of that is that he does hail from Africa, which to, to many individuals that come from our culture, 
um, see as the homeland and the promised land and the, and the place that we were taken from, et cetera. So all of those things, I hope they may not hit a child or even a parent at that moment, but you know, as you progress and read more and grow older, I think those, those things will be appreciated. Um, not necessarily in the first book or even the second, but over time you'll start to appreciate those kind of hidden references and they, they instill a new, new level of pride, hopefully in, in Mark through Manson. Wonderful. So how do you, this just came to me that you're incorporating this powerful figure into a squirrel. Yeah. 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 Which is kind of unique, you know, so <laughs> what, um, what does, what does that squirrel ha- identify with, or what does that squirrel, what have you given that squirrel that is Mansa? Yeah, so the squirrel, um, one, he's, he's present, he's extremely, you know, stern, and, you know, Kendall can touch on this as well, but he's stern, um, he's inspirational and motivational, but he, he doesn't take any BS, so you can, you can see the leadership qualities in him, you can see the, the genuine want for Mark, but also the, you know, you're not cutting any corners, so it's, uh, it's tough love, but um, the undertone of it is is love. So I think that's the, the yeah, essence yeah. of who I envisioned Mansa to be years and years and years ago. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. I would say that Mansa brings to the table the leadership and the confidence that that Mark does not have yet. And he acts as this almost guardian, this pedestal or foundation of you can do this, just persevere. Like the driving force that we hope the book is for these children. We hope Mansa, the book is Mansa for these children reading the book. Determination. Uh, there's, there's a kind of loyalty there, even though, mm-hmm. you know, you, you talk about uh, tough love, but there's, there's certainly developing a loyalty, which I think is, is a, strong, a very strong theme and one that I appreciate. I can imagine some adults wondering if childhood is too early a time to introduce demanding concepts about earning and managing money, or for that matter, any aspect of what you call financial literacy, what would you say to them? They're wrong. I would say that, you know, that's, that's a conversation. Yeah, exactly. I would say they're 100% wrong. Kendall's a living testament to that. But for someone like me, like many parents, I, you know, I come from a place of, of unknown. You know, I, I didn't learn any of these concepts at an age before, you know, 17. So I was extremely late to the game. But I think what what the angle that we've taken is, hey, one, you know, those parents are unfortunately wrong that, you know, there's no no stage that is too early. And two, just in case for those kids that may be not early adopters, we've made this book and future books fun more than anything. So it's fun. Um, it's a story before anything. And then it's educational. So I think that folks and children would be tricked into learning great things, regardless of if it feels like school or not. Mm. <laughs> Kendall, you want to well, add uh, to that person to that point to that parent that says it's too young? When is when is the right age? Is it when you know they're eighteen and then now they can go? They have access to the credit market and can go open a credit card. Is it when you send them off to college and now they have to take out student loans? No, kids need time to process these powerful tools that be that become available at such an early age, and on top of debt instruments and credit and all of these things, there's basic concepts that need to be understood before you can build upon them. 
And the sooner you introduce them, the more creative and confident kids will, will get with them, especially when you're looking at black and brown kids that are growing up, a lot of them in poverty. These things need to be understood even more to them because they are targeted. There are predatory markets out there that want these communities to take out credit because they are going to get the highest interest rate. They are profitable people that are targeted by these terrible debt instruments like credit card companies, payday loans, all of these things. If you look at the demographic that uses them, I am almost sure that you're going to see a positive correlation between illiteracy and the amount and type of people using these instruments. Very well taken point. There's a lot of work to be done. You know, and that's what I think the two of you are doing with with this book. I mean, I think that you're you're awakening kids to the reality that they can take control of their lives and that um, they don't have to wait till they're 18 when they get that credit card. <laughs> oh my. I'm thinking that these same adults might be thinking that the topic financial literacy sounds so dull and unimaginative. Now I could say that I could say to you, why don't you send them off to their to your learning resources, you offer parents, teachers, and others interest, interested child care workers on your website an introduction to money, the history of banking and saving, budgeting and saving. These are a few of the learning plans uh, you provide. How do you avoid the dull and unimaginative with these lessons? So that's, uh, you know, that's the, the, the daily opportunity, I think. You know, we know that in this world of social social media, that attention spans are are shorter, and that for in a positive creativity is at all time high. So for us, it's the continuous challenge which we're up for is to just continue to hit these important messages in different ways. It starts with the book. You go to the website. We have the resources. You know, we have workbooks coming. We have our our, our partners that thrive in the visual and video world articulating those same messages in those formats. So it's really the same way you would teach, you know, a Harvard PhD student. You have some that want to hear the audio, some that um, thrive in in-person lectures, and some that can lock themselves away and read. So our, our take has been to stay creative and to continue to do it in 10 different ways if we have to. Yeah, I would, I would build on that and just say also creating relatable scenarios a relatable plot and characters that resonate and stick with readers. Yeah, that's uh, that remind you know that's uh, I spent many years as an educator and also training teachers, and that always comes into being. It's you know how how do you take some pretty difficult concepts and um, characterize them, story them use drama, use art, you, you know what I mean? And then that's what we were all about. And uh, those teachers, I would go into their classrooms and it was the ones that made it that way. Everything was very concrete. Everything was very accessible. And those kids felt like they were able to do this. Well, that's why I love your, your learning resources so much in that section. I mean, I kept going over those because, and then there's one that's uh, an actual pro a project the last one I think is the project, which is another educational uh, strategy that works really beautifully because it sustains the interest over time. And I think you've got that going as well. One aspect of Mark and Mance's story I particularly took to with great interest is the connection you make between financial literacy and social justice. 
And I think Kendall was getting at that just a little while ago in a very uh, articulate way. How do you weave that thread of awareness into the fabric of the story to make it accessible to young readers? I think it's a delicate, very delicate project, right? Because it's something that needs to be talked about, but it's also such a sensitive topic. So I think lightly touching on it to where we're addressing it but also in a way that's appropriate for children. And it was it was definitely a careful dance that Antoine and I had talked about a lot. Like, is this too much? Is this enough? And I imagine that's going to be another, you know, tango we have to do with the next two books as as issues and politics progress. It's it's definitely a very delicate topic. And I personally haven't mastered it. It's it was a mutual effort between me and AD for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would um, I would add to that. I would. And this is for the for the parents and you know educators listening. You know, my take as I continue to study this work is that financial equity and wealth equity is is the backdrop to to everything. Social justice, racism, etc. It's really the foundation that I think could could be the great equalizer. So we almost would have been doing ourselves a disservice not to make note of some of the just everyday things that black and brown children you know adults deal with on a on a daily basis so the way we go about it i think is going to be challenging but it's in front of us every day especially as we look at the last couple of years and even in history so i think it'll be it'll be easy to intertwine it in the story but we have to delicately do it in a way to where um, we make note of it and also discuss some solutions um, and some potential opportunities. Right, because what you don't want to happen is it be a source of discouragement. Because when you produce these types of facts that do exist, and you know, I read the scholarly articles as they come out, you don't want that to be to overtake what we're trying to accomplish with the story. Yeah, yeah, because then it sounds like you're preaching. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that, that, I mean, if you're writing a story, you want the story to lead you into that subtlety. Well, I mean, there are a couple of times where the mother figure is dealing with that, you know, and it's very, uh, it's very apparent, but not in a preachy sort of way. She's just saying, this is what we have. This is what we have to do, you know. And uh, I thought that that was starting to get to, to, you know, the concepts of what's going on socially around them. I mean, see, I, I've been around, I've been in a lot of classrooms in my 50 years of education. Can you believe this? And, uh, <laughs> you know, seriously. And I mean, I think that, you know, once again, I mean, a good teacher will lead these kids. A good parent, a good caregiver will lead these will lead kids who are reading this book with them to the understanding of what's going on outside in the world beyond. And I think that that. What a what a powerful thing we're talking about here. I know. It inspires me every day. I, we've read that book probably 65 times, if not more. <laughs> and every time I read it, even though I wrote it, I, every time I read it, I'm like, oh, I'm learning something. Yeah, no. Well, that's a good <laughs> sign. Well, I'm so glad you're talking about that. I hope the, li- the listeners... Listen to that, please, because, you know, especially if you're right, if you're writers, you want to go back, you want to, well, usually what happens is the writer goes back and goes, oh, no, I can't believe I wrote that. But then sometimes <laughs> you go back and you just say, wow, I'm, I, I just discovered something new about that character that I never realized or something new about the theme is what mm-hmm. we're talking about here.
that's that's well, so what's yeah and what's what beautiful what's beautiful about this topic is that it hits different people in different spots mm-hmm. so i might have written it in one mood and then i'll come back it's been what almost a year now since we finished it i'll come back and read it a year later and it'll and i'll have a different perspective on the same scenario i'll be like wow that feels different now so i can only imagine other people when they read it how it's affecting them so we're learning as we're reading it and as we're writing it and going back and getting criticism and getting feedback it's really been a beautiful process yeah there we go you know the, the writing process is truly a, a gift but it's also a learning curve i'm spot on i'm always there i'm i'm always there i'm 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 continuing you know i'm an old guy and i'm still writing that's my new theme i i go on to the i go on to uh the uh social media i i say old guys still writing and there's like oh really <laughs> there you go that's a brand in itself it is yeah i know right i, I like that brand rick rick likes it too you plan to develop mansa's little reminders into a series of stories what can your fans look forward to i mean what do you have in mind oh progression I mean, yeah exactly progression Still, still keeping that fun and that excitement and those life skills that the book offers, but also diving in a little bit deeper to some of the tangible things that parents can do, conversations that they can have, you know, whether they have $5 or $500, some of the things that they can do to set themselves and their children up for extreme success um, and wealth, you know, for generations to come. So I think we'll be able to really touch on some of those, some of those things now that we scratched the surface of this first one. Good. Yeah, dive in a little bit deeper. And, and my goal has always, always been to get these into the schools that need mm-hmm. them. So we will be working a lot more closely with the curriculum writer to, that will align with the fourth grade, maybe even fifth grade uh, trajectory and, and core uh, subjects that they need to be focused on so that we can more easily present this to school boards and get it in there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that can happen as you probably well know, you just have to reach the right people. Oh yeah. To make, to, to make them realize how important financial literacy is, but also how important the social aspect of what you're, of what you're getting at here. Um, you know, and the idea of, of, of equity um, right. Yes. Yeah. But I think there are people out there who know that. I mean, who, who welcome it. As you went about, we're coming to kind of to the end, but I, I, I like this question that I came up with a, at the last minute. As you went about planning and, and, and writing Mance's little reminders, what did you find to be the best thing about it all? What was the most exciting aspect of it? For me, adding the emotional intelligence into the financial concepts, like building the story, creating a character that had to deal with failure. What does that feel like to a little kid? It made me think about when I was a little kid and pull up specific examples. Well, how did that feel? How did that feel doing math? Not only doing math, but doing math in front of people that are watching you doing math. And what were the physical anatomical experiences like sweaty hands, lump in my throat, uh, overthinking it. And then dealing with failure, something not going your way, like having to relive the very basis of human emotion and then write it down was really fascinating for me personally. Wow, yeah. I think Kendall, that that part is extremely important. For me, it's, you know, when I saw, you know, shout out to Taylor, when I saw the book come to life through the characters, you know, 
we kind of had these concepts in our head and went back and forth. But to get to that final draft and see you know, Mark and Manson, you know, Cuzzo and, and these characters come together and get their color just right and their features, it was it was fantastic. Um, that was probably the most rewarding feeling. Uh, pre-release, of course, that I felt the biggest the biggest reward has just been the reaction that we've gotten from children, educators, parents, and um, just the whole gamut of folks. But that 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 illustrative process was was amazing. Did you did you have to have you done a lot of revision with this book? I mean, did you? How many times did you draft it, or whatever? Or was it just? Oh my gosh! Oh. <laughs> Three years. I yeah, we've been working know. on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, we've been working on it a while. The, the the structure, the foundation has always been there, but we've, yeah, we we worked on this book for a while. So to see this first part come out has been extremely special and rewarding for us. And and now we um we got the the right the right mojo to make some magic happen for these next few. I mean, I would say we made. It took us a, a good year to get to a place where we were like, okay, there's nothing else in here that we want to touch or change. We're happy with everything well you know I'm, I'm so glad you're saying that because i mean I, I i'm hoping that some of our listeners are kids who are listening you know or watching and listening to this and and i think that um the idea that an author a writer goes through a lot of drafts it always surprises them when i go into the schools uh, i usually show them some of the drafting that i've done on a story and a powerpoint I'll say, you know, I think I wrote that page around 20 times. And they're like, really now? Oh, easily, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's good for them to hear that because I think not, not that I want to make writing a torture, <laughs> but rather it is work, you know, and it's a labor of love. And, uh, you know, you stay with it and you do the best you can. But sometimes it takes a lot of drafting. But I think, I think kids appreciate knowing that. So as I come to the end... I want to encourage our, I want to encourage writers, teachers, parents, caregivers to visit your website, which is www.mansaslittlereminders.com. And the spelling for Mansas is M-A-N-S-A-S. And you're going to find their hands-on entertaining lesson plans that introduce learners in grades two through middle school to the origins, history, and functions of money budgeting and saving, banking, a challenging project on jobs, bills and budgeting, and several other financial literacy practices. And also be sure to wander into the follow us section of the website, the link to discover many kid-friendly book reviews. I love that whole section that you did there because here these moms and dads with their kids, you know, with your book in hand. And it's like one kid is a toddler and he's running all around the place, but so what? You know, I mean, the whole idea is this is a book, this is a book. I just, I just thought that was fantastic. So I encourage everybody to go to the follow us and click on that link. You'll soon find a recording of this interview in the media section of my website, anthonymanabooks.com at Writers on Writing Podbean Podcast. AD and Kendall, thank you for spending precious time with me and our listeners today. Uh, Kendall in transit. 
thank you so much. It's been, a, a, it's been really, it's been a pleasure about uh, hearing about this unforgettable uh, trio of Mark, Cuzzo, and um, Mansa. You know, and I want to mention also at the end that I find the story also a lot about family, friendship, determination, and other vital themes. And people should know that as, you know, to draw them into that world that you've created. So to the two of you, stay in touch with your series. I would love to interview you again sometime when you've become very, very famous and you have your, your series, you know, on the way. And uh, it would be great to talk to you. So, you know, have a, have a wonderful day and uh, stay in touch, okay? You know, and you, you know I'm Anthony Manna, otherwise known as Professor Grandpa Tonio. So come by and <laughs> say- The best hi. name ever. Yeah, we love right. it. Take care of yourselves, okay? Awesome, bye -bye. thank you so much, Anthony. You're welcome, Bye-bye, Kendall. Bye-bye, Bye-bye.